Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In today's sermon, Pastor George preaches about what the church will look like in 2032. This sermon was originally preached on September 25th, 2022 at Lingostown Life. You ever uh, thought about what you'd tell your 20-something self? That's a, an exercise that sometimes people do. Think about uh, what would you tell your 20-something self? If you could go back and tell yourself when you were younger to do something, to avoid something, what would, what would it be? Probably, if nothing else, I'd tell myself to buy Apple stock. Uh, that would have been a good investment a long time ago. But anyway, um, do you have anything that you can think of? Something that you would tell your 20-something self? Maybe a little hard. Oh, I, I see a hand in the back. Oh, appreciate your parents. Now, that's a very good answer. I like that answer. Okay. Anybody else? Say that? Oh, choose better girlfriends. All right. That's a good idea. All right. Very good. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we can tell ourselves. Ah. Okay, somebody online said make health a priority. That's, all, that's always a good answer. All right. So, um, you know, when you start to think about it, what would you tell yourself, your 20-something self, uh, about, about life? One of the reasons um, we often think about telling our our younger self something is oftentimes because when we look back at life, we have, well, we just have regrets. We have regrets. Um, and if you've ever struggled with regret, I have some good news for you, and that is that starting next Sunday, that's October the 2nd, we're beginning a new series of messages on the topic of regret. Um, with a nod to, uh, to Daniel Pink's bestseller called The Power of Regret. It's a great book if you uh, are looking for something to read right now. Um, we're going to explore how regrets are actually a valuable thing in our life. And we're going to see how regrets not only shape the person that we are today, but how those regrets influence the decisions that we make for our future. So I, I think you will find this series to, uh, to be very powerful, uh, not only in being able to look back, but in being able to look forward. And speaking of looking forward, uh, that's what we want to do right now. We want to think about how we see the future. Uh, the author H.G. Wells was sort of the first person to popularize the idea of a time machine. 
he put out a little book back in 1895 called The Time Machine, and it was really the first popularized idea that, uh, that people could get in some kind of a contraption and travel from time, from one place to another in, uh, in time. Now, you and I don't have a DeLorean that we can hop in and uh, go back to the future, but, uh, but one of the things that God blessed us all with is an imagination so that we can actually think about what the future will look like. And then based upon those glimpses of the future, we make choices. We make choices about how we're going to prepare for that future that we're envisioning. So uh, as we think about the future, I want to start by asking you to think back for a moment. And I want you to think back about how your world has changed since March of 2020. How has your world changed since March of 2020? That's just 18 months ago. That's, that's not long, okay? That's about the amount of time that it takes for a baby to start crawl, going from crawling to walking. Uh, it's about the time that uh, the little kid starts to, to speak and things like that. So think about that. How has your world changed what have you experienced in these last 18 months that has transformed and been changed in your life? I'm going to ask you to take a moment and talk about that with some people that are sitting beside you this morning, all right? And you have to do that, otherwise this is going to be a really boring sermon, okay? So talk to the people with you. How has your world changed since March of 2020? Those of you who are joining us online, you can always leave an answer on, uh, on the computer or on, uh, on, online as well. All right. Anybody out there have some answers to that? How's 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 the word? Yes. Okay. All right. So remote work uh, opened up all sorts of. Uh, opportunities that would not have been there in the past. Okay, that's a very good answer. Okay. Anybody else have anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Financially, things have changed quite a bit if you've got money invested in the stock market. All right. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, it wasn't long after the pandemic began in March of 2020 that, uh, that the author Andy Crouch uh, penned a blog post in which he compared the pandemic to, to one of three things, a blizzard, winter, or an ice age. And uh, in the post, Andy mused about whether COVID would be a blizzard that would that is, that it would be a, a quick-moving storm that came and went, had some delays 
to our lives, but it was here and gone. Uh, then he talked about it, whether or not it was winter. Uh, winter, the idea that it's just a, a longer season that oftentimes has numerous blizzards in it. And then he talked about an ice age. And in the talking about an ice age, he talked about the fact that an ice age is one of those once-in-a-lifetime events that transforms life as we know it. Now, the reality is that in March of 2020, well most people sort of thought that this whole pandemic was just going to be a blizzard. It was going to, it was going to come, it was going to go, and we'd all be back to in-person worship by the time Easter came around. That's what we were planning. Didn't quite pan out that way, did it? And looking back, most people who, who study the church agree that the church, just like most of society in general, got knocked off of its balance by literally a once-in-a-lifetime ice age. And many of the people who study at the church agree that, that one of the things that the pandemic did in the church was to accelerate the direction that the church had been heading over, say, the last 10 years. And so if you think about it, uh, if the church was, was making a, an upward trajectory, then it may have continued to, con to continue upward. But if it was plateaued or slowly declining, uh, then it would have continued in that direction. And what they said is that the, the essence of that decline or increase actually would project you out 10 years in only 18 months. So, one of the things that we need to ask ourselves when we think about these things is, what would a time traveler from 2032 tell us about the church a decade from now? And if what that time traveler told us is true, what do we need to, to do today to prepare for 2032? Now, some of you out there are just thinking to yourselves right now, I just hope I make it to 2032, okay? I understand that, okay? Now, projecting into the future to prepare for tomorrow isn't the way that most churches cast vision, Okay? Let me explain that to you. Um, usually when churches try and think about the future, they have a tendency to look backward. A uh, good word that we think about in the church world when we think like that is we think revival. We think, we think of reviving the past. And, and when, when the church gets sort of knocked off balance, the church naturally just thinks, well, let's, let's think about the last place where we had stability and go back to that place. Because, see, that's, that's the way most people in a church think. We, we think about going back, back to what was comfortable, back to what suited me and my tastes and my likes. But, but every once in a while, about every 500 years, someone sees the future and says, 
we don't need a revival. We need a reformation. We need a reformation. We need to, we need to visit, we need to visit uh, Wittenberg, uh, as Tom just did a few weeks ago, and see where Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the church at Wittenberg, supposedly. Anyway, we won't go there. But a reformation, remember, remember how I said that, that the pandemic sort of knocked us off balance? Well, what a reformation does is it, is it actually knocks off of balance what has been in favor of what will be. That's what a reformation does. When, when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door of the church, he knocked the church off balance because he wanted to see what nobody else could see. So I want you to take a minute and talk with somebody around you right now and reflect on those two words. The words are revival and reformation. And what's the difference between those two concepts? And as you think about it, does one of them look more forward while the other looks more backward? So take a moment, discuss that with folks who are, who are seated around you or think about it on your own. If you're joining us online, you can always lead us, leave us a comment there as well. Sorry, I'm just chatting with folks who are watching the service online and responding. We're going to talk about that in just a second here. Um, but anyway, as you think about that, okay, uh, I've had some fascinating discussions with people about that whole difference between revival and reformation. There, there, are, two, there are two words that can be filled with all sorts of things, and uh, I'd love to hear some of your answers later on, but we need to keep moving on here this morning. So I, I promised you a, a visitor from 2032, uh, a time traveler in essence, who uh, would like to come back to talk to us about the church in 2032. Now, I got to tell you, I didn't come up with this idea on my own. I actually heard Carrie Newhoff do a whole uh, a whole session, a whole two-hour session on, uh, on what, it, what a, a, a time traveler from 2032 would tell the church today. And uh, you can read a little bit more about, about all that. Uh, there's a link in the Bible app and also a, a link in your sermon outline where you can read actually seven things that Carrie writes about. But uh, I want to talk about three of those things that I think 
a visitor from the church in 2032 might tell us about the future of the church. Now, they're included on your sermon outline. You can make some notes as we're talking about this. But the first one is that the church in 2032 is a both and church. A both and church. Now, uh, if you think about this, here's another German thing, Tom. I mean, think, about, think about the printing press, okay? Um, who was the guy that invented the printing press? Gutenberg, that's right. When Gutenberg started making things with his printing press, what was one of the first things he made? The Bible, right. Up until that time, common folks like you and I, we didn't have a Bible. If a church was fortunate enough to have a Bible, it was actually chained to the pulpit. And that was the only place that there was a Bible. So if you think about this, in the same way that the printing press put the Bible in the hands of people, the digital space opened a whole new world for the church to reach people online. Therefore, the church in 2032 is both a physical location and a digital connection. It is a both and. You see, the church in 2032 realized that everyone they were trying to reach is online. And in the decade between 2022 and 2032, churches that thrived saw the opportunity to be a both and organization. The digital world isn't our enemy. It's not the enemy of the physical church. It's actually a blessing that we need to see as a partner. Number two, the church in 2032 learned the lesson of time shifting. Now, if that's not a concept that you're familiar with, I'll explain it to you and you'll completely understand exactly what we're talking about here. But by the time the pandemic ended, uh, nearly everything that people had done in a centralized location at a specific time was upended. Okay, uh, Sally already mentioned one of those things and that is work. Okay, work has changed. Work has changed dramatically. Remote work was probably the biggest thing that we saw change in our culture and, and change during, the la during this next decade. But so was, so was the way we shopped and so was the way that we experience entertainment. Now, the entertainment thing actually started a, a little before the pandemic, but when the pandemic arrived, it changed it dramatically. Now, think about this. A couple years ago, maybe even this past week when the new shows started coming out on television, if you're like me and you wanted to watch the FBI series on CBS on Tuesday night, where do you got to be? You got to be at home, on a sofa, starting at 8 o'clock, and turn the TV on then so that you can watch that first episode. Because, and this was really true before, but not anymore, and this is where time shifting comes in. In the past, 
If I didn't sit down on my sofa and turn on my TV at 8 o'clock to watch FBI, I'd have to wait till next summer. I'd have to wait till the whole next summer and then hope that I actually got the right night to see the episode that I missed. But not anymore. Now, now I can, I can pull up CBS on my, on, my, on my phone and I can watch the episode that I missed any time I want. That's the way that time shifting works. We recognize that people don't just sit down in front of their television at the same time every week to watch the same show. So the old same bat time, same bat channel, you know, doesn't apply anymore, does it? Okay? That's just an example of how time shifting works. And, and the churches that learned the lesson of time shifting realized that getting, into the, getting people into a building at a specific time of day wasn't really effective. It wasn't really effective. That's not to say that gathering isn't important. We can talk about that in a moment. But thriving churches in 2032 learned the lesson that connection and content happen best at a time when people are ready, not just when the church says to be ready. Third thing. The church in 2032 learned that connecting people is bad, better than gathering people. Now, the primary, the primary goal of the church in the early 2000s and probably for a few decades before that as well was simply, was simply to gather people together in a room, to get people to a room at the same time every week. But in 2032, thriving churches value connecting people outside of the church and building community among people wherever those people meet. While we love our buildings, the church in 2032 doesn't see the church facility as only a Sunday morning gathering location, but a way through which we can connect people and build community. That's the goal of the church in 2032. And for the church of 2032, they find that its greatest strength is in facilitating connections among people, not necessarily in the church, but in the community. So those are three things. Those are three things that, that came from Kerry's presentation. And as I said, he, he had even more things than that. But, but what do you think? What do you think when you hear those three things? Okay, uh, just one more time. Being both in physical and a digital space, adapting to time shifting, and prioritizing connection and community over simply gathering. Go ahead and talk among yourselves for a moment about that.
just asking people to talk on a Sunday morning is a challenge for some people, okay? It's not what we're used to. But there's a lot for us to think about if somebody from 2032 came back to talk to us about what a thriving church looked like in the future. I hope to hear a little bit more about what you thought about those three things a little bit later on. But as we prepare to wrap up today, I want to remind you about a couple things that we've talked about over these last few weeks as we talk about seeing the future. One of the things that we kept saying over and over again is that to see the future, we need to see people. To see the future, we need to see people. And the only way to really see people is to get close to people, and especially new people, people that you haven't yet begun to know. The other thing that we've talked about repeatedly is that we need to remember what Jesus' mission was. And Jesus' mission, we said very simply, was to bring good news to people and places. And that good news comes in so many different ways, and it oftentimes comes in ways that are unique to the person who's sharing the good news with others. So if there's anything that we can learn about seeing the future, I think it's very simple. It's learning to listen. It's learning to listen. So I'm not going to go into it, but on your sermon outline this morning, uh, I shared with you some suggestions for learning, for, for listening from Luke Edwards, who's a pastor. And uh, as Luke says in, uh, in the place where he wrote this, he says, it's a good idea if you try this at home before you try it out in the wild, okay? So try it at home uh, before you try it anywhere else. But I want to leave you with one final thought this morning, and it's this. Uh, Anybody remember the movie Groundhog Day? All right, good. Those of you who didn't watch it before, well, pull up one of your streaming services. I'm sure it's out there so you can watch it. But uh, Groundhog Day starred Bill Murray, and uh, he, was, he was going to report about Groundhog Day in our beloved Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Now, you may not consider Groundhog Day a time traveler movie, but in a sense, it is, okay? Because somehow, he got transported back to the same day over and over and over again, and he had to relive that same day over and over and over again. So, every day is the same for Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Every day, he goes to bed hoping that the next day when he wakes up, it will be different. But every day he wakes up, it is February 2nd. It is Groundhog Day. And try as he might, and throughout the movie, he tries in many different ways not to wake up on February 2nd, but that's exactly what happens. Over and over and over again, he just can't escape Groundhog Day. And in his mind, he is doomed to repeat the same escapades over and over and over until, until something begins to transform in Bill Murray's life. And, and, and what led to the transformation? 
was the fact that he started to listen to the people of Punxsutawney. He started to listen. And through the, the last half of the movie, what he begins to do is save people from deadly accidents and misfortunes. And in the process, he begins to save himself. He learns to play the piano, how to sculpt ice, and how to speak French. And then eventually, when he goes to bed on Groundhog Day, February 2nd, he wakes up and it's February the 3rd. Most fascinating thing is that this guy who wanted to escape Punxsutawney and Groundhog Day in the end decides to settle down there because he's been transformed and so have the people around him. Now the church can keep living as if it's February 2nd, going through the motions, repeating the same actions over and over again. Or we can listen to the voices of the townspeople and begin a transformation in them and ourselves. Ten years from now, ten years from now, you can wake up expecting the same thing in the church. But in late September 2032, the world is going to be a different place. The world is going to be a different place. And the church will need to be a different place as well question for all of us to ask ourselves now is what are the lessons we need to learn that will help us to see the future and respond in ways that prepare us for tomorrow? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth and love God and love others.